The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders. Going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hi, everyone. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. Um, I just took a much-needed week off of recording. I have recorded consistently to bring you guys episodes weekly, and I haven't taken off since Christmas. So I was like, you know what? I just need like a week to just not not um, record. And a lot of times, to be honest with you, some of these episodes are hard and the episode that we're going to be sharing today is hard. And I, I just sometimes need like a break to just not have to talk about hard things. Although selfishly, this stuff helps me and it makes me feel like I have a purpose in life and I'm helping other people. So I love doing it, but I just, I'm happy to be back. I'm especially grateful to my guest today that I'm going to introduce in a minute. But I was going to ask um, my listeners that I love so much, all of you, if you ever are so inclined, the reviews that you leave me on Apple especially are so appreciated. It helps new listeners find me. So I really appreciate people taking the time to go to Apple and leave me a quick review. If it's not going to be nice, don't do it. I would rather you just not leave me a review. I'm joking. Don't leave me a review unless it's good. Um, And then my special announcement is I am finally going to be posting the full episodes on YouTube. So you are now seeing me in person. Don't have a lot of makeup on. Wearing my goggles because I have to. I can't see. You're also seeing my beautiful guest, Kate, who I'm going to introduce. But I'm so grateful to you all. I love doing this. I, I, it just makes me, it brings me so much fulfillment in my life. So thank you for my listeners. I appreciate you more than you'll ever know. I am going to introduce my guest, Kate Rooley. Hi, Kate. Hi. Oh, I love the heart. Uh, <laughs> well, now that we're being, we're, we're on camera, people thank can you. see you, but 
thanking you with my heart. I love, I love that. I love that you and I met um, over social media and you, you had listened to an episode because you're dear friends with Michelle Leopold, who if, if my listeners have not heard that episode, it's a very, very important episode for people to listen to about fentanyl and the crisis of fentanyl and losing her, um, her son, Trevor, um, and spreading the message about fentanyl awareness is her mission in life. And I'm doing everything I can to also spread that message. And, um, so Kate, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm just so grateful that I now know you and we've been messaging each other and I know your story is very difficult to tell, but um, it's needed and your story is going to touch somebody and hopefully change the path of their own choices in life. That's my hope for this. Yeah, that's that's our hope. I just have to share um, that Michelle gave me this bracelet and there's two little arrows, but on the inside, it says, keep effing going. I don't know if we can swear on these podcasts or not, but anyway, this. No, I swear. I swear pretty much every episode. I love that. I need one of those too, because my favorite thing to say is keep going. Yeah. Keep effing going, everyone. And she wears this too, of course. So we just. So you both wear it because you're. Yeah. Yeah. You're each other's support systems, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you yeah. know, want to okay. share any chance we get about our beautiful sons and, um, you know, and the hope is that we can save lives, that we can help parents um, know how to see signs and, um, you know, and be able to help their, their young people. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, Kate, Kate came on today because we're going to share the story of her son. Um, It's a very, hard story, I know, Kate, for you to talk about, but um, it is important for people to listen to. This episode is and could be triggering for somebody, so I want to say that before we share the story. Um, And Kate, I'm just going to ask you about, we're going to start with your own life, because you are an activist, a mother, and an artist, which I love. And I want you to just share a little bit about yourself before we kind of go into the harder things, if that's okay. Um, I grew up in a really dysfunctional family. Um, My parents divorced when I was four and um, she was 20 when she had me. So she really wasn't ready to have a child and um, really had a a difficult time being a a mother. Um, So she wasn't nurturing. She um, did not have the best parenting um, and uh, my mom died when she was 53 of leukemia. So she had a short life um, and she lived at fast and furious. And, um, and it's just really sad because she um, never really got to live her life authentically and in a healthy way. Of course it doesn't define me, but it made it really difficult me uh, for me um, to, to be a parent because I didn't have that nurturing. I didn't have any, um, role model as far as, you know, a parent is is concerned. I didn't have um, a stable home. So I wanted to make sure that I gave my kids the most loving, um, healthy uh, family life that they could possibly have. And so I probably went a little overboard. Like we celebrated every holiday. I mean, the kids would get gifts for like Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day. And we would dress up, you know, in red or pink or whatever for Valentine's Day. And everyone would wear green for St. Patty's. And like we just had just such a great family um, life. And, you know, so it sounds like and 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 not to talk over you, but I'm very sorry. Um, and I didn't expect to hear that you had a hard childhood. And yeah. so I'm sorry. I also lost my father to leukemia. Oh, um, um, yeah. So I understand the disease. He was 46 oh. years old. And so I'm assuming you, 
you were pretty young when she passed, if she was yeah, 53. She was 20 years older than me. So I was 33 when she died and I hadn't had any of my children yet. So she never got to meet any of her grandchildren. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I know the truth bombs will come out occasionally because I'm a very honest Open no, but that's but that's I, I, I that's part of why I ask these questions is because I always want to find out the history and it does make sense when you come from like a dysfunctional childhood or there's issues or like you know alcoholism or abuse or anything like that where sometimes parents overcompensate when they're they become parents because they just want the opposite for their children than they had right. You know, I'm really glad I did. And, you know, lately, um, part of my healing has been watching home videos. And something that I do as uh, an artistic, visual, creative person is I um, I do photography and a lot of video. And um, so I, I, I'm sort of like the historian of our family. So I'm always taking pictures and recording every event, you know, not just for my family, but also for my siblings, families, and friends. And um, so I have a lot of videos um, family home videos, which I've been watching. And so that's part of my healing is to watch these videos to see Warren when he was baby. I just watched the birth video of my twins with my husband the other night and and wept uh, watching them. I mean, the whole thing, like it was a cesarean and them being pulled out of the body and everything. And it's so healing and beautiful to go back and relive those moments. And it's just, it's so healing. So I've been doing that. And so I'll say, I'll say this to you that something that I think, and for my listeners, the best thing that you can do in life. And somebody told me this once you're, nobody's going to care. Like I'm one of those people. I, I only like to get my picture taken if I look a certain way, or (laughs) I don't like when people just come up and I'm in like a weird conversation with a double chin. Like, I'm like, don't take my picture, but (laughs) Someday you realize that the pictures and the the videos, you hold on to those for dear life. Like there is a video of my dad and a tape or something, and that's really all I have left. And and my mom recently came on the podcast to share she uh, she yeah. yeah. I want to watch and and I and I thought to myself. And I said to her on this one day, it, ma- it makes me tear up to think about this, how lucky I am that I'll have that. Yeah. It's so, so true. It's so true. My dad was, yeah. was, uh, I didn't think I'd start crying. I cry at like commercials. <laughs> you so know, do I, I I'm the someone. same way. Yeah. An MCI commercial or whatever. It was that telephone one. You reach out and touch someone and, Oh my God. And I would cry at that. At that. Oh, or like diaper commercials. There's those commercials where like, you know, like they're having like the mother and like the baby and like the baby saying like, I'll just cry over anything, but it's not when I'm yeah. recording my podcast and I cry all the time. It's not always great for my audience. Probably. <laughs> I didn't um, wear any on the bottom today, but um, I was just going to say my father passed away a couple years ago. He had stage four lung cancer and, um, Sadly, he, um, well, the whole thing was just really tragic, the timing and everything, because he was diagnosed two months after my son died by suicide. And so I had to deal with my father's um, slow demise. Well, passing at the same time. Within um, a year, a year to the date, pretty much, that he was diagnosed. So I lost my son in 2019. And then during COVID, I lost my father to cancer. So that was, you know, double. Okay. I am so, I, am I just so want to very sorry. And now it makes, yeah, it makes sense to me though, that you and Michelle are, are tight because you both lost your sons around the same time. Correct. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And I'll, I'll talk about that too, but um, I just want to say that my dad was in uh, one of these home videos and he was, uh, I was, I, would uh, ask him questions intentionally like about his past because I want those family stories, right? Like you're talking about your dad and just seeing that video of him and and that you can really treasure that. And so I would interview him him and ask him questions about his childhood. And, and it was just so great having that such a treasure. So I just wanted to add that to just watch that. So it was wonderful. 
Well, I love that. And I love that. Um, I love that you are, we're going to get into this story, but you know, the best thing that you can do, people grieve in all different kinds of ways. And I just had an episode where we talked about grieving um, with the good morning podcast, the girls from that podcast. And one of them had lost her mother to suicide. Oh, and um, yeah, and, I can watch yeah and we talk a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk a lot about grieving and how we all grieve in different ways. And grieving for me, because you can already tell I just started crying, is a lifelong process. And and to normalize grieving of like your child, your dad, for me, my best friend, my sister, is it's okay because you're going to spend your life grieving these people. You're never physically going to see them again. So for people to just say, oh, it's been this period of time. Well, I don't agree with that at all because I, for the rest of my life, will be grieving my loved ones that I cherish and love. So I just wanted to say that because I think oh, that's so important true. to point I out. I agree with you. And I've been hearing a lot about how like, your grief is a measure of your love, you know, like, I mean, not that like, I just posted that. I literally just posted that. Okay. That's where I saw it. I did. I posted that. Yeah. That must be a sign. I posted that the day before yesterday. (laughs) I'll send it to you because that is so crazy. Our our love is so deep and, you know, and, and not that if we're not openly crying and feeling heartbroken all the time, that our love wasn't as deep. Um, but but grief is love being expressed and whatever you posted was beautiful. Yes. So that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. You know, um, we forgot to. Oh, look. okay. I'm like, did you light your candle? I was like, Kate, are you? No, I have my candle for the listeners that can't see. We, I was telling, I was telling Kate before we started that every episode I light a candle. It's my like little, it's my little like ritual that I do before I start recording and, um, and it brings me like peace and, and happiness. And she was saying the same thing. It kind of like makes you feel like maybe our loved ones are with us right now. I don't know. The slip mine. Uh, and this says, yeah. uh, in memory of a life so beautifully lived and a heart so deeply loved. So that's for my boy and for all those that we've lost to suicide. I, I love that. So let's let's get into the story. Um, and I know this is difficult. Um, I've I've openly talked to you through social media and my audience about my own um, my own period of time in my own life where I I didn't want to live. I was I was having suicidal ideations and I struggled with it for for a long time, like a full, I would say a full eight months of my life. And I couldn't get it out of my head. And I will tell you this, I'm not crazy. (laughs) I just, there was, it was for me, it was a situ, it was a situational um, depression that had boiled up from being diagnosed with complex PTSD stemming from my childhood. Mm. And I really, saw no other way out. And, and, and the thing is, is that people need to understand, because I think I've done a lot of research and reading on this is um, when you are suicidal, you're almost like made the villain, you know, um, that you're so selfish or, if you were to take your, or did somebody did take their own life, then everybody goes when they pass, Oh, you're so selfish. You're so this, you're so, they were so that it's so unfair Yeah, because the amount of pain that somebody is in, in that period is like nothing I can ever explain to somebody else that can understand unless they were in it. So I just want to say that. And I would like for you, if you're okay to share the story. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's really important for people to understand. Um, You're in so much pain um, when you're in that place, like you express so well. Um, 
you you don't think rationally. You're not thinking about how things would affect other people. Um, and especially as a 17-year-old um, boy, you know, which my son, when he died, he was just over 17. He was a high school senior. And um, he was an extreme introvert. So he wasn't someone, and I'm probably an extreme extrovert. So our personalities are, you know, we're really different. Um, the way we um, like just uh, connected with others and like as an extrovert, and I think you're probably an expert too, we, we need people to fill us and um, t- to be around people yeah. energizes us, whereas an introvert needs their time alone to recharge. And so it was really hard for me to really understand him and his needs, and he didn't understand me. Um, it was hard to communicate um, to begin with because we were both opposite in our, um, you know, in, in that respect. Um, as a child, though, interestingly enough, he was, he seemed to be extroverted and he was really goofy and just joyful, bouncy. He just, he loved jumping and running and typical boy, you know, antics. And um, one of his favorite things to do was to do running flips. And he was constantly doing running flips. I had a slip inside in the backyard and he's running flips and he, it was just amazing how he, could just do them um, anywhere, even like in his bedroom. One day I heard this thumping noise and I was like, what on earth is that? So I go upstairs, I knock on the door and I was like, what's going on in there, Warren? And he goes, oh, I'm practicing my flips. <laughs> so that's, that's who he was, you know, and, and cracking jokes and goofy and just so different than the person he became. And, um, when and one of his friends said that when he started high school his freshman year he changed and he became very withdrawn more and more so over the years until his senior year where he was just really shut down but it was a slow process and so it was gradual so you know it wasn't like an obvious sign that we saw so freshman year he just stopped being goofy. He was more serious, you know, but you could attribute that to him wanting to do well in school and him taking school seriously because he was and, was yeah. getting, you know, yeah. really good grades. And um, he was on the tennis team and, you know, outwardly he was, you know, really high functioning and um, which a lot of these kids are. And that's another reason why it's really hard to, to realize that they're in trouble because outwardly they are doing all the things that would make you think that they're okay, that they're thriving. Mm-hmm. Same, right? Because mm-hmm. you're like a really um, ambitious woman. You were doing all these things when you were suffering, smiling, being, no one probably knew what was going on inside of you until you started talking. Until I started talking. And then you until did. I started talking. Yeah. And you did. But and before then I did. Yeah. no one would have known, right? Because you were outwardly living your life, weren't you? Like functioning. Well, I think I, I think that I, yeah, I think that I just, I would hide. I and I still do. I hide behind humor. Um, yeah, yeah a lot. Wanted to be the funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Robin tell me, Williams. tell me what. Robin Williams is a perfect example. I'm like a female Robin Williams. Um, but let me, I'm not as funny as Robin Williams and I've never been in any movies. Um, but let me ask you, what, was there something that happened his freshman year of high school? Like, was he experimenting with, um, pot or was he like going to parties and drinking alcohol? Was it anything related to that? I'm just, I had to ask that. No, no. And you, you you know, you would assume, right. You would assume that maybe he got involved in, in those kind of things. He never did. He never did drugs. He wouldn't even take like melatonin to help him sleep in the beginning. He didn't, he was really against that, any kind of drugs, even homeopathic. He just didn't want to take anything because Warren's thing was he wanted to fix himself. He was very stubborn. 
he wanted to do everything on his own. He didn't want any help. And that, and, and, and that was part of the reason why, you know, he died by suicide was because he did not ask for help and he thought he could fix himself. So no drugs, no alcohol. He didn't even have a girlfriend. Like he, you know, he's still a virgin when he died. He still braces on when he died. It's just so heartbreaking because he did not get to live his life, you know. And part of me wishes yeah. that, you know, maybe he would have done some experimenting, you know, that he would have had some life, you know, experiences, which I had a ton, you know, by the time I was his age. I'd done so much, you know, probably wait, you know, really too much, way too much. But it just breaks my me heart. too. Yeah. It breaks my heart that he didn't get. Yeah. That. It's he was a baby. Let me ask you, was he, was he dealing with like bullying at school or like were kids meet nothing like that? Okay. Okay. Cause I'm always, I know it's crazy. So what, so Warren's case is pretty unique, I think. And it, I think it mostly has to do with addiction to video games and social isolation, social, um, he had social anxiety, um, pretty severe and um he got addicted to video games pretty early on and we knew it was a problem we used to lock up his um laptop and all his devices in a safe to keep him off of them because he would be on them like 24 7 if he had his choice you know um but it was kind of too late like he was already so addicted that we couldn't you know, and it's a drug because it stimulates the um, dopamine, right? So it, in a way, yeah. he was yeah. he had that drug of the dopamine, the dopamine blasts, the brain getting those dopamine blasts when he played video games. So there was yeah. that. There was an addiction. It wasn't drugs, but it was to, you know to that dopamine blast you even wrote well, they've about also, it. they've also done yeah they've also done studies and i'm sorry if i'm talking over you i'm hoping the connection's okay they've done studies on screen time and boys specifically i'm sure you you've um see, like seen yeah. some of these studies and what it does to to young boys brains and then i talk about this a lot um that our, our brains as human beings are not fully developed till they're 25. So video games are really harmful. They're finding in these studies that they're doing specifically for boys. I'm really glad that you mentioned that, that you brought that up because I don't think there's enough studies being done. And I think that that is like a precursor to dry addiction. Um, you know, they start out with mm-hmm. this addiction to know the video games and then they're used to getting those dopamine blasts Mm -hmm. and then they start searching for another um you know stronger high you know that's how it is with the marijuana that leads to xanax or whatever so i feel like a lot Mm -hmm. of it starts with video games um and that and that addiction leads to other addictions which i don't think they've done a lot of studies around but um they i i I need to find the one that i sent you but i did do an episode with um dr tracy bennett and she kind of like touches on that and sc- screen time in general. But just mm-hmm. to point that out, how that's something that they're finding um, and something for parents to be aware of. And I know most parents, like you're either one extreme or the other. And it's, I'm a mom. I know that my kids are on screens all the time. I have girls. But um, mm-hmm. it's hard as a parent because all you want to do at the end of the day is like, unwind right but it's really hard to control how much your kids are on screens it's there's like a fine line which i know you understand yeah well there's like the megaverse which is happening which is like and i find myself getting sucked into it too i you know i'm on instagram all the time it's like vicarious through other people who are traveling the world who are you know like i watch your podcasts and you know and you can spend all your half your day literally quite easily actually in that metaverse or whatever they're calling it metaverse is that it you know what i'm yeah, talking about it's called meta yeah. now yeah it's met or whatever facebook's it meta now but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just i it's mean not, not to change the subject but it's yeah go ahead it's it's a it's very very addicting um 
screen time in general for me too. Like I know um, when I went through my friend breakup, um, I, I had to delete, I had to block a lot of people because for me, it was very, very um, triggering if I saw like photos of me not being invited to something or, you know, and I, I think people were like, you know, I had to do that for my own mental health because that was something I was really struggling with. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, put the put a device in a young child's hands or a video game like we're talking about, and it's like they just don't have the ability. If we don't even have the ability as adults, fully fun- with fully formed brains, mm-hmm. then kids obviously don't. Right. Right. Okay, so let's kind of talk about specifically what happened like when he got to his senior year was there like a day and I'm saying this too because this is an this is to educate parents especially I have a lot of parents that listen to this I know that I have a 12 year old daughter that I worry about you know I have her in therapy um I worry about you know depression runs in my family um it's a it's you know something that i'm very very well aware of but i just want to be prepared so tell me about that day tell me about like what was going on at that specific time were there any warning signs was there anything that you you noticed or had any kind of feeling that something was happening so looking back in retrospect you you can figure out the signs at the time we just noticed he was he had been irritable he was an insomniac he wasn't sleeping for a long period of time and that is definitely um something that can trigger mental health issues as you probably know you know insomnia can really you know, they use it as a form of torture for a reason, you know, like keeping someone awake. Mm-hmm. With them. Um, so that was part of it. Um, but he was irritable. Um, he was always tired and, you know, could be typical teenage behavior. You know, it's, he's a boy, you know, kind of like, you know, not wanting to have conversations and kind of avoiding questions just not wanting he'd say one time he said to me mom why do you ask me so many questions and I was like because I care about you because I'm interested in your life you know we're driving in the car that's when I he was my captive audience but so that's how he was you know he didn't seem to be his happy you know joy you know the uh, goofy self um anymore hardly at all very very little like the cats um and 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 you know maybe our 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 dog, we have a lot of pets, would make him laugh. He would giggle and he'd play with them. And that was about about the only time I saw him really being happy. But, you know, we we attributed his seriousness and, and all of that to, you know, him wanting to really do well in school, which he was. So he was getting the best grades of his life. He was really applying himself. Um, so... So basically that's, that's how he was showing up in the world at that time. And there was, um, I would say about a week, maybe two weeks before he died, before he chose to leave us, he had this sense of urgency about wanting to get things done. Okay. He never gave things away, Mm. never talked about, you know, how we'd be better off without him or how, you know, none of that never talked that way. You know, he didn't talk much at all. Um, I never saw him cry. Mm-hmm. He did not seem depressed to me. And, you know, and I've had depression. Um, and I, my, my depression is, it manifests really differently, you know? So I didn't recognize his depression because it just was really different than my own and what I'm used to seeing. Um, anyway, so um, he um, wanted to get things done. Like he was like, mom, when are we going to go and get my, the, my acne medicine. Like, you know, I, I, I've been asking you, like, let's do that. When can we do that? And he'd have post notes that he'd put around for me to remind me. And he was really annoyed that I wasn't like on it, you know? And, um, it was like, Whoa, you know, like we'll get it done, you know? And then 
Um, he wanted to get his like his driver's license and he was kind of, you know, behind because, you know, he was already at 17. He wanted to get that. And anyway, so it was a sense of urgency. And then all of a sudden, I think the week before he was like, no, it doesn't matter. We'll do it next week. Um, I'm too tired. Yeah. You know, it's not a big deal anymore. Right. He just all of a sudden switched from this sense of urgency to like, that's okay. Let's do it next week. I'm too tired. So I thought, oh, well, he's relaxing. He's not, you know, stressed out, you know. Um, But I think he'd already made up his mind about what he was going to do. He'd already made up his mind. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Maybe he, maybe he was like fighting the, maybe the sense of urgency, and this is maybe me analyzing it, but um, was him fighting the decision? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like I said, he wanted to fix himself. He figured if he got everything right, yeah. You know, like if he got, you know, like we all do, like once I get my driver's license, once I do this, once I do that, you know, once I get accepted into that college, Mm -hmm. everything's going to be better, you know? And um, then something happened with the school, which I think was also a, um, a trigger for him that really set him off was that, and this, this is really upsetting to me because he was uh, filling out his applications for the college, um, uh, you know, uh, applications. And um, he was writing down or filling in um, the different classes that he had taken to make sure he had all his requirements. And it Mm -hmm. turned out that the class that he had taken, which was product design, didn't cover his, his art requirement. So he didn't, he couldn't, apply to the colleges. He, he couldn't graduate basically oh. this out like right before graduation, right before school got out. And like, there was no time to make this class up. And so I'm sure he had a lot of stress about that. I know I did. And so I called um, yeah. his counselor and I said, he can't apply to colleges. He can't graduate. He doesn't have his art requirement. And, um, and she said, oh, all he needs to do is take um, an art class over the summer at the college, you know. So he ended up taking a medieval art class at the College of Marin, which was like a lecture class. Can you imagine a 17-year-old boy sitting through a medieval art lecture? A boy who has no interest in art no. whatsoever. He didn't want to do it, yeah. right? Yeah. And he would make yeah. up excuses for us to pick him up. Like he'd say the class was canceled. He didn't want to do it. And I think, you know, also at that point, he'd already decided he wasn't going to college, you know, that he, that he was going to end his life. So I think he had planned it maybe a couple of weeks. Um, he, he, he had made his decision um, at that point. It's not working out. I can't go to college, you know, 
it's just too hard. It's just too much. And he opted out. Yeah. That's what it's like. It's like they opt out. It's like, this isn't working out. Yeah. Nothing's going right. I can't get a girlfriend. Can't graduate from high school because I don't have my art requirement. I can't get into the colleges that I want. You know, so many things are going against him and he works so hard. He worked really hard. He tried so hard up until the very end, you know. But that's the thing, you know, it's like it gets better and you can fix things. And this that's the thing about young people, like you said, you know, like their brains and prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed. So they don't know that it's not going to always be this way, that there's actually a future that can be better because they don't, they don't have a concept of the future. They don't understand yeah. better, yeah. you know? And um, so that would be my message, like to, you know, anyone out there who's just so frustrated, who just feels like nothing's going right for them um you know it can't it does get better it can all change tomorrow everything can completely change you know and you know this right yeah I mean like, but that's the thing it's like life is not easy but you just you know it, 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 when you have, when you are in that place and it's different for everybody that's suicidal or feels those feelings Everybody has a different story, but it's like when you have just given up and you're hopeless, you know, I tell the story of, and I've told it on the podcast before of sitting on the beach, you know, and, and looking at my, all I ever wanted was to be a mom. And I wanted two little girls specifically. And I was looking out to the ocean and I saw my girls playing and I thought in my head, like, this is my dream. And I just didn't care anymore. And like, that's when I was like, okay. But that's also because I was an adult. So I had the ability to go, this is bad. <laughs> I need to like really figure this out. For me, I went on medication because I had to. Mm -hmm. That was my, it was like my last stop. You know, it was like either this is it or it's not. And I'm not saying by the way that I don't still struggle we all do as people, you've said yourself, like you have depression, but it shows up in a different way. My depression shows up in a different way than your de depression does. You, Warren's depression showed up a, in a different way than all both of ours. And it's like, you know, none of this is obviously your fault as a parent, which I can't imagine like what it would be like to struggle with the guilt and all the things that came afterwards. But it, it, it's, it, is, it is just something I wanted to point out. It's like something that you can't control. It's like this dark, dark demon almost that's telling you that you don't want to be here. That's the best way I can kind of describe it for myself. You know, no, I took over and it sounds like that was him. Yeah, that, that, you know, people will say there was a voice. You know, and one of my friends, um, her son um, jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge a um, year ago in August. And mm -hmm. he had a, a psychotic break from high potency THC. And he had a voice that was telling him that he needed to go and do that, that he needed to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge and just was relentless, you know. And, um, you know, the voices, you hear that, you know, that it's almost like these demonic voices that are telling, especially young people that are, you know, um, taking mind altering drugs, you know, mm -hmm. and they, and they also say that schizophrenia can be, um, <clears throat> you know, a result of the high potency THC. So, you know, then you have this psychotic break and, pretty soon, you know, all you hear is voices in your head and that's the rest of your life, right? So that's why it's so yes. important that we talk about, you know, the um, the risks of, of drugs because already we've got mental health issues. We've got these voices, just normal, right? Just every day, no drugs in us at all. And then you add those drugs on top of it and just imagine, 
Um, well, also just like situational life, like yeah. if you're already struggling, like Warren was struggling and then to, to be told like when he works so hard that he wasn't going to be able to apply to colleges, it's like piece by piece. It's like building a ladder almost, you know, like yeah. I'm assuming, yeah. and this is me being assumptive, but like he probably was like, this is the next step. Then I'm going to do this next step. And to have the ladder be pulled, a yeah. lot, most people can deal with the ladder being pulled, but some people just can't, they don't have the ability. And if you're already struggling, it's like a perfect storm. It's a perfect storm, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's a really good way to put it. It was a perfect storm for him. It was like this really slow, like, or almost like a sneaker wave that just came up, you know, and just took him out just one thing after another going wrong. And, and then he just, you know, I think that happens with a lot of people who die by suicide. It's just like, you know, nothing's going right. So many things are going wrong. And, you know, people of all ages are dying by suicide and even, even people who have coping skills, right. Who dealt with depression all their lives and they're just, just they're giving up, you know, you look at the world today and everything that's going on in our world. And that can be really hopeless, right? You think about the gun violence, you think about, you know, the politicians, corrupt politicians, and the environment, global warming, on and on, right? And that can make you hopeless, even if you're someone who is hopeful, who has a positive worldview, that can even make someone, someone who doesn't even have depression feel hopeless sometimes. So it's a lot. Yeah, a hundred percent. So so when Warren um finally like made the choice, like we kind of talked about that day, like what was that day? What happened that day? I mean, I, you don't have to go into details. So that day, so I guess I've been avoiding that. Um this is hard to talk about because I found him. Um Friday, February eighth. 2019. And um, I had to bring him to school and um, he wasn't ready. Usually he would be the one to like poke me <laughs> awake, make sure that I was going to get up in time and everything. And um, his door was closed. I knocked on his door. He didn't answer his door. And I opened the door and I found him. And he, um, he hung himself. And um, he was in his bathroom and um, started yelling, help me, help me, someone help me. And um, yeah. I, I'm, I know that this is so hard to talk about. And I just honestly, I feel speechless because I can't, I really can't imagine like that that what that was like and the pain and I just I don't I don't I'm speechless I don't know what to say um it's a hard thing how, to live through like, oh. yeah it's really yeah hard. how did for you, someone who how did so let me ask you that yeah how did you because you already had your own trauma in life and stuff you'd already yeah. dealt with what did you do? Like, how did you deal with this? And I, and, and I know like, it's like step by step. I talk about that a lot, dealing with trauma yeah. specifically, like the loss of a child is the worst thing that anybody can ever go through. And then that the loss of a child by the child taking their own life is unbearable. Mm -hmm. What, how did you go on? Yeah. And then finding them. <laughs> Um, so yeah. I, I had, you know, his 17 year old sister who was having this experience with me, you know, and I just wanted to like mama bear, like I need to protect my family and make us all safe. Mm -hmm. And I needed to get out of the house. So once everything was done, the coroner came and they took his body away. I was like, we need to leave. We still live in the same house which can be very hard, but I 
have insisted on staying here, which a lot of people don't really understand, even other moms who've lost their children. They need to get out right away. They need to move. And anyway, um, we can get into that some other time. But I did something. So I checked us into a hotel, and we'd stay there for four days until we all stabilized and we were treated for shock the next day i checked mm-hmm. into the er which is probably the best thing that i've ever done in my life and i don't even know what made me think of doing it but i knew we were in shock you know and i mean my daughter and i could have had major ptsd from that experience And so I thought we're in shock. We need to be treated. We need to go to the ER. And so I just had my whole family go, my two daughters, my husband and myself. And we were there pretty much all day. And it was amazing how they took care of us. And I don't even think people know that you can go. Like if you've been, even if you're not injured, like physically injured, you're dealing with shock and trauma and, you know, you, you, Yeah. And so they took really good care of us. They gave us warm blankets. They gave us sedatives. They gave us, um, well, something to help us sleep, you know, and then a therapist came to talk to us. We had to wait a while for him to come, but he spoke to each one of us individually and he's a trauma specialist. And, um, and then he became my husband. Then he talked to us as a family and um, he became my husband's therapist, and he's now my therapist, and he's been in our lives ever since. But I mean, he's an amazing man, and he's just been such a blessing to us. Um, so that was a real gift to be able to have that experience. And because we did that, and because we got uh, help right away and addressed our PTSD um, or the shock of that experience, we didn't have lasting effects. Um, so I don't have flashbacks. I, I did EMDR. I don't have flashbacks. I can do my laundry, which is the laundry room is right next to his bedroom, right next to his bathroom where I found him. Sometimes I'll think about it. Like he just died. Like it not just died. It's been three years, but he died in that room right next to me. And I could kind of go back to that day, but somehow I'm able to like compartmentalize it, you know? I don't go in his room a lot. I want to set it up as like a shrine or something really beautiful, you know, like a living memorial to him. But, um, but yeah, so that was the very best thing that I think I've ever done. And it, it really, really helped us heal. I want to po- I want to interrupt you for a second and point out that that's huge. And the fact that you thought of doing that is huge. And that is a reminder to my audience God forbid anybody ever finds themselves in that place, but it just is a reminder that how uh, how important it is that that's known, that that's an option because people, yeah. I mean, the suicide rates are the highest they've ever been in the history of our, of our country right now, which is terrifying. They're the highest they've ever been. Um, yeah. And I think I, the latest statistic I saw was, I think they might even be triple what they were from five years on ago, age, I might be wrong. Age group? Are you talking about uh, across all demographics, or no? Yeah. I'm talking yeah. about specifically like teenagers. Teenagers, yeah. Um, it's a second leading leading cause um, with uh, within the ten to twenty four year old um, demographic. Second leading cause of death. For ten, and the to- first leading cause of death is guns. By the way, for that age group, which we can touch on at the end, um, I, I, I'm always like part of why I do this. By the way, Kate is to point out like it's like normalizing mental health, normalizing grieving, normalizing all of these things, sharing these like your horrific story but showing my audience and my listeners that if you can go on and we can go on and we can meet like you and I can meet over social media because of the fabulous Michelle um, and these people come into our lives. And if we were just more open, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe these things wouldn't 
maybe we can help each other. I don't know. I'm so Pollyanna about things no, sometimes, no, but I just no, had to say. Right. I mean, we are, we are helping each other, you know, like Michelle and Toy Crop and um, Marianne Kalo. Um, I'm not pronouncing our name right. Sorry, Marianne. We're, we're the angel moms that support each other. We have our own little group, you know, and, um, and we've also helped others in the county. Um, people will call us when their friend has lost a child or um, a coworker or someone, and they'll call us and they'll say, can you talk to my friend? They, you know, they need support. And, um, and so we are, we are helping each other. We're supporting each other. And, and that's how we get through it. You know, um, we hold each other up. Sometimes, you know, one of us can barely walk anymore. We're just like, going through a really rough time and there's been times when other moms have been suicidal and one mom attributes um, her support, the support she received from Michelle and I to her even being alive today. So when you hear things like that, you know that you're making a difference and that's really all that matters. And that it, and that it gives you purpose and that you're living in Warren's memory, Yes, you know, like this is like, or, or in Michelle's case, Trevor, you know, like, and then I was going to say the fact that this happened right before COVID. Yeah. Um, it, it, the timing couldn't have been worse. Right. 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 Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, just one thing after another. Just the, yeah. And then like losing your dad. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was just one thing after another. Um, oh, um, do you, thing do I, you mind? Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I just, before we end, cause I noticed we only got five minutes. Um, I did want to touch on um, the Marin County strategic plan um, and um, the Marin County uh, suicide prevention collaborative. I just wanted to talk about that. Yes, please do. Because, um, and Marin is in, we're in California, so I'm in Los Angeles, and then you're in the San Francisco area. But I'm assuming when you talk about this, that there's support all over the country. And if there's not, then shame on all the things that are happening all over the country, because we need it, especially now. So why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so... um so the reason why it's so important to talk about this is because, well, it's working for one thing. It's a huge um, effort that has been um, and it, that's been um, un- undertaken um, since, and ironically, since my son died, um, all these things have happened. So that's one of the things I wanted to point out was just that, um, my, you know, my son, I, I told you he died February of 2019. Um, in the summer of 2019, um, the Behavioral Health and Human Services um, or organization or um, uh, department in the county, um, they started a suicide prevention um, strategic plan planning committee. And so they had professionals uh, from the medical uh, fields, uh, behavioral health, um, social services, education, um, different um, people from uh, different demographics and underserved people uh, throughout the, the county that came together and met together to, to write a strategic plan to address suicide in Marin County. And I was also part of the planning committee. So they had suicide loss um, survivors as well. And we would sit and I would sit in a circle with a doctor, uh, the pediatrician, or like the um, Kelly Finley from um, NAMI, um, the executive director, and we would talk about how we saw suicide prevention being, um, you know, prevented, like my experiences and how we, how we wanted to see um, this strategic plan written and, and, and just giving our input. Um, and so I shared my lived experience and that kind of thing. Um, so we worked on that. Um, and then, um, once the strategic plan, I just lost my notes, um, was, um, implemented, um, then, so, and, and it was a comprehensive, um, plan, um, that included, um, um, 
practices that were proven to reduce suicide and suicide attempts. So it was, um, uh, what is the word they use? Um, uh, evidence-based. I'm trying to remember their, the terminology. That okay. Evidence. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it really is an amazing plan. And I can send you their, the behavioral health and health and human services. Um, ha, uh, department has a um, website that in it, it has a whole section on suicide prevention where you can actually read the plan, which is amazing. The reason why it's important to share it is because it's duplicatable, you know, and it's working in our county and other counties can do this, you know, across the country. So, so, so is this the first county and place in the country to do this? Um, I don't think it's the first that's done it. It's been okay. done. Um, I believe this is a model that was shared um, from uh, the, I think it was the mayor in Palo Alto who got this going um, because at Gunn High School had a, a really high suicide rate. I don't know if you heard about it. There was a Mm -hmm. movie uh, done, documentary done about it, um, Gunn High School. And so um, a woman named Monica Hooley um, was in touch with him and suggested um, a strategic plan for our county. She is a suicide loss survivor mom. And she um, was the mother of Gabriel Hooley, who was one of the three boys who died in 2017 that led to the strategic plan being written in the first place. And those boys died within a two-week period of each other. They were all high school senior boys. And so that's how it all started. And then my son died 17 months after these boys died. So you had the cluster, and then my son died. Um, So, you know, there is... There is definitely something to be said about the clusters and how it plants a seed. It does happen. I believe it happened. Yeah. And even though it was 17 months later, I do believe it was directly related to his death. So then we had the strategic plan, um, you know, um, was um, announced. The supervisors, um, uh, the Marin County um, Board of Supervisors um, were you know part of this from the beginning, and um, so it was um, that it was approved, and um, they um, you know they gave it their blessing, sort of you know the whole formal. They have the you know um, the what do they call it proclamation, and it was really exciting. That all started um, in two. Th- I believe it was in uh, February of uh, 2020, which was a year after my son died we started the Marin County Suicide Prevention Collaborative, which is huge. And there's like- I mean, it's, it's like enormous and it also shows- Incredible. Like, your, yeah, like your work and everything that you're doing, like how proud Warren would be, I'm sure. And he's looking over you. You know, you you touched on staying in the house um, and the laundry room. And by the way, I'm a huge fan of EMDR. I think it's really important for people that have gone through some sort of trauma, you take, taking a memory specifically and, um, and get, and you basically by doing EMDR, um, are able to kind of make that memory, not what it was, right. You, it's, yeah, you use it, exactly. you use like it's, like vibrating tool in each hand I've done it. Yep. And, and it, exactly and it's, it's crazy because it really works. So you take a memory and that's uh-huh. like traumatic. And then you do this like zapping thing with your hands and you're like, Oh my God. And then the memory. So it makes sense to me that you are able to like successfully use EMDR and then the, and then staying in the house, I think is a beautiful thing in my, in my opinion, because it's like, you're surrounded by happy memories and not letting that one memory take away all of the years that you had in your home. And then I'm a huge believer in like spirit and I'm very spiritual and knowing that my angels are always with me and my dad and my sister and Julie, my best friend. So I think I think that that's a beautiful angels. I love this one because it looks like an angel. Do you see his angel wing? The water? Yes. They make wings. You see that? Yes. I love it. I love it. So I have this 
Let me let me just ask you in closing, because I know this is a very, for my audience, the listeners that are listening to this, this is a really hard triggering episode. Uh, Kate, you're amazing that you came on and you shared this and that you're doing something, like living your life. Like I, I'm, I, I know some people hate it when you say, oh, everything happens for a reason. I mean, the worst things happen. Oh, so handsome. I wish everyone, in case you want to see some of these pictures that Kate's showing me right now, go to YouTube. Um, Judging Megan podcast is my channel. Um, I'm ju- I just kind of basically am starting doing things on camera, but you can see some of these photos. But I wanted to ask you what your sign is that you know that warrants. Do you have a sign? Well, yeah, I mean, I get I get hearts all the time. I see them in the crazy all the time. Yeah. And not just rocks. I mean, like, you know, like a little foam on my coffee. I, I take pictures. I've collected them. Um, so I have a lot of hearts in different, um, you know, forms. They come to me always. And also feathers. Lots and lots of feathers. The feathers are huge. Um, yeah. Feathers. Um, I have a lot of amazing stories about signs. And Michelle and I are constantly sending pictures to each other and texting each other. Yeah. And like one time we were at lunch and a van drove by and it said Trevor on it. And she's like, oh, Trevor shot. You know, it's just like. No, it's crazy to me because these, like, listen to these signs, like watch out for these signs. Mine I talk about all the time is about monarch butterfly, but Michelle, um, the, so listen for the, my audience listeners that haven't listened to the episode. So Michelle's sign, she lost her son, Trevor, Trevor to the fentanyl overdose in 2019 also, but she sees hearts on rocks, like rocks in the shape of a heart. And I told her I was doing laundry right after I recorded with her. I don't know if you listened to me. I did an Instagram live with her. And I found, it was so weird. I found a heart-shaped rock in in my laundry, in my dryer. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Like if you don't believe in signs, isn't it crazy? Isn't that a crazy story? It is. Yeah. That so, they want um, to be seen. They want us to know their spirits live on, and they are just constantly yeah. sending us signs. You can't deny them, and that and that, and that you'll see. I mean, I believe I'm going to see them again. Like I live for that. I live for the fact that I'm like I'm going to like Dad. You better be like sitting there waiting for me, um, with a martini or a buttery chardonnay. <laughs> my dad liked to gin and tonic. Oh, um, I just want to tell you, Campaign keep doing your work. Kate. Yeah. Yeah. Keep doing your work. Keep looking out for the feathers and the hearts. Those are all signs. And honestly, I am just honored to know you. I'm grateful that you shared your story of Warren. Um, and I hope that people, understand like what a, what an inspirational person you are. And, um, and in closing, I say this because my dad used to say it all the time. And so I've chosen to live my life to try to emulate my dad. I'm not perfect. Believe me. I think I cussed somebody out yesterday at a light, but I will say this, (laughs) be happy by making other people happy. Thank you, Kate. Yes. Amen. (laughs) Thank you so much.